It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. Hey, 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 thanks for joining us. Real quick promise, please find us and follow us at Mistreat Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have curated content on Pinterest and Flipboard. Check out our channels on TikTok and YouTube, and if you would be so kind, like that famous prince we all know, please show us some love and rate and review us. Positive vibes only, right? But first... Champagne. The dress, the ring, the kiss. Prince William and Catherine Middleton tied the knot in true fairy tale fashion. I go. The wedding of the century was packed with magical moments. First, a dashing groom dressed in his formal scarlet military uniform. William looked very nervous, arriving at Westminster Abbey with best man, Prince Harry. The two brothers clearly share an unbreakable bond, standing firmly at each other's sides, as they did 15 years ago at their mother's funeral. As they walked, you could see Harry ask his brother, are you ready? Hi, welcome to Misdeeds and Intrigue Podcast. I am your host, Carrie. And I am Larissa. And Carrie, we have a very special guest today because guess what's happening this week? William and Catherine are celebrating their 10th wedding anniversary. And with us today, we have royal expert and host creator of the Anglophile channel, Miss Marlise Boland. Hello, this is Marlies Boland, creator and producer of the Anglophile Channel, coming to you from Buckingham Palace. I'm Julian Fellows, and you're watching the Anglophile Channel. I like to say that. It's good. Hello. I, you incidentally actually brought Larissa and I together, and you didn't even realize it. You were like a matchmaker for us. Oh, yes, I didn't know yes. that. Wasn't my first appearance on your podcast discussing royals? Oh. Yes, and it was all about your everything related to going to the wedding and the princess diana and all oh. that stuff so in a weird way you have been in our relationship since we first met oh i'm so happy i remember mentioning the anglophile channel on that episode well larissa was our uh, producer extraordinaire at the royal wedding of harry and megan uh, and we just had so much fun i mean we worked but also we just had so much fun at that wedding because we, I don't know if she told you the story that we scored this amazing room, right? It's spitting distance from Windsor castle, uh, at the heart and garter hotel, which is no longer Uh, it's closed down now. It's it's really breaking my heart, but I hear rumors that they might, somebody might invest and reopen it, but we got this beautiful historic hotel, which was right across the street from Windsor Castle and in a room with a view of the, I mean, we could see the queen, you know, putting her jammies on at night. We were that close. It was just so <laughs> magical. It was such a magical time. And by the way, there was no screen on the window. It just went, through, it was like on the top floor and it went directly to a death roll. Like if you, if you, we were hanging out the window shooting and I'm like, if we make one false move, we're toast. <laughs> We could have totally done like a uh, a bungee or a, you know, what what is that? A zip line from our room to you know, St. George's Chapel. Marlise, did you happen to go to William and Catherine's wedding? I did not. Oh, my God. So the Anglophile channel was born of that wedding, sort of inspired by that time, which was, you know, William and Kate getting married and the Olympics being in London and the Queen celebrating her jubilee. It was just such a, a beautiful and glorious sort of celebratory time for Britain. And I felt at the time that all eyes were on Britain and I've always been an Anglophile. So from that, those events, I, I came up with an idea for a reality show called Stories from the Anglophiles. And it was all about these British obsessed women and what they were willing to do to 
chuck their life, their monotonous, boring life here in America and, and head to the UK and just, you know, unleash their, their Anglophile passions and, you know, immerse themselves in that world. So we started this reality show called uh, Stories from the Ang Files. And uh, from that, I just decided to expand it because I thought uh, one reality show is not enough. I wanted to do, you know, red carpets and interviews and arts and culture pieces. So from that, from those events was born the Anglophile channel. I guarantee Megan was totally hooked on it because I feel like she did her homework. Yes. Good, good on her that it all worked out. (laughs) But she definitely courted, she definitely courted the friendships and the, and the society, uh, getting in on society. Larissa was recently telling me, I find that so fascinating because her little blushy, oh, I I didn't know anything about the royal family and I didn't even know who Prince Harry was. I mean, you'd have to be living under a rock. You don't need to be an Anglophile to know who the royal family is. Rose Tree Cottage, right? She received her training, right? From Edward, Edmund? Yes, she went to our friend's uh, Rose Tree Cottage in Pasadena, California, owned by British proprietor Edmund Fry and his wife, Mary Fry. And Meghan Markle and a couple of friends went to Rose Tree to learn the proper etiquette to take tea uh, right before she met the Queen. Uh, And the press caught wind of this and Andrew Morton British author Andrew Morton went to Rose Tree and said, I've heard that she's been here. How many times has she been here? And so, yeah, it was a big thing. But that's not not official training, you say. You wouldn't know how to curtsy. (laughs) (laughs) There's no, that's not the Princess Diaries class she wanted from Julie Andrews, all right? No, exactly. She was courting all those friendships over and getting her PR, you know, because obviously she was based out of Canada. I mean, they had pictures of her between Soho House and some of the other places over there with some of the reality TV personalities that, but good on her. I'm like, well played, well played. And it panned out because, yeah. Didn't Leona Helmsley also blot out her husband? And if Absolutely. A certain personality type that goes very far with that. Well, it's interesting. I know we'll talk about it later, but you talked about the idea that, that Kate Middleton, Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge, sort of plotted her timing uh, as a student at St. Andrews. So we'll have to talk about that later. Okay, so let's get started. We're going to take a little walk down memory lane of that beautiful day of spring, April 29th of 2011, when Princess William and Catherine Middleton were married at Westminster Abbey in London. Bride's brother, I forgot this, actually did a reading. Poor James. I feel like that guy has gotten so beat up under the press between his like marshmallow business and the wrapping paper and the booth thing. And I think now he's raising dogs. Oh, the unpopular Middleton. I know that poor guy that Prince Harry was the best man. And the bride's sister, Pippa, was the maid of honor, whose backside probably had her own starring role in the wedding thought that Prince Harry would be the sibling stealing all the headlines after that royal wedding last spring, but it's not even close. The spotlight's been shining on Kate's sister, Pippa Middleton, now the world's most eligible bachelorette. She's even the subject of a TLC documentary airing next Tuesday, and Bianca is here with a sneak peek at Crazy About Pippa. Can you imagine a world without Pippa, George? <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> well, it's hard to believe that just six months ago, Pippa Middleton was London's best-kept secret. Well, that all changed on April 29th when cameras got hold of the backside of a stunning maid of honor carrying a future queen train. The question on just about everyone's mind at that moment, who's that girl? Well, now TLC is hoping hoping to answer that question. It was the wedding watched around the world. The bride, breathtaking. The prince, charming. But it was someone else who unexpectedly caught our attention. There was almost a gasp across the world. Who's that girl? She single-handedly crashed Twitter. I remember headlines, a star is born, her royal hotness. And an instant Pippa frenzy began. I was curious, and I really don't want to keep comparing or take the take this episode off the spotlight of the Duke and Duchess, you know, and make it all about Meg and Harry. This is, was my theory, and I get it. They don't do bridesmaids the way we do in the U.S., but I always wondered if Megan did not have a bridesmaid because of the attention Pippa got. I really wonder that because it got so much attention, that wedding dress, so much attention to her backside. 
and <laughs> I don't feel like she wanted to get upstaged by someone with her. I just don't. That's my theory. And so why do you think she didn't have a bridesmaid, Marlise? You know, it never occurred to me that she didn't have a maid of honor and it never occurred to me to, to associate it with the whole Pippa stealing her thunder factor, uh, which, you know, Pippa's behind, I think, got more headlines and uh, magazine covers than than William and Kate did. But, you know, I, I think Diana famously only had children her wedding, if you remember. And uh, I think a lot of a lot of royal weddings do. And I don't know if that's just the tradition to have younger attendants. I know the queen had older bridesmaids. She had her friends or, you know, appropriate connections as her bridesmaids. But it just seems like there's been trend to have younger children. I know that Andrew and Fergie only had younger children. And like I said, well, uh, Diana and Charles did. So I don't know if it was honor in honor of that uh, tradition or if it's something that they do in the UK. I know, I know I have friends that have had, you know, grown women as, as maids of honor and, and bridesmaids. Um, but I don't know if it's a Royal thing. I had to look, I had to look back at it and I was, and noticed that the queen had, had regular aged bridesmaids and not children. It's funny because I went down a rabbit hole last night and went onto the site of these lip readers did a lip reading during the ceremony of the queen. And um, according to CBS news, they were lip reading queen Elizabeth. And she said, I wanted them to take the smaller carriage. And at the time that made big headlines. (laughs) And then Camilla jumps in and says, it oh all my went very well. And the queen rapidly replied, very well. And then uh, the lip reader also went over the f- footage of Kate and William. And Will said, I hope I remember. It's mad. It's mad. Oh, my goodness. It's really, really loudly here. These, these people are clapping. So it's interesting. And Kate said, Kate then asked, did they? And later, Will turns to his wife and says, you look happy. So it's really interesting how this <laughs> mega wedding is going on and there's lip readers <laughs> trying to lip read these people. Nothing is Nothing. sacred. <laughs> the conversations that they're having. Oh my God. I did not know that. That's hysterical. I guess Queen Elizabeth, she also said that that was like one of her proudest moments. And she said it was excellent. They also said that she turned to Prince Philip after the ceremony to say it was excellent. So she was really behind. She really supported Catherine and William on all fronts. She's been waiting in the wings for many years. Now Kate Middleton is to take center stage as William's princess and a future queen. At last, at last, they've kept us waiting so long. I think everybody is relieved to hear this news because um, it's kind of a fairy tale romance that went on and on and on and on and seemed without any end. But now at last, with the finishing lines in size. The tabloid press nicknamed her Weighty Katie, as William, keen not to repeat the mistakes of his parents' flawed marriage, took his time to pop the question. Oh, I think that Kate Middleton will be the best uh, princess prepared for the future that, that there has been. She's had a chance to get to understand what is going on inside and outside the royal family. The Queen privately said that she wanted her grandchildren, Princes William and Harry, to date their partners for at least five years so they can get used to, the partners can get used to what is expected of them. So Kate, I believe, is the best prepared future Princess of Wales we've ever had. It is a position of privilege, but also immense pressure. Someone who knows that only too well is Sarah, Duchess of York. She won't offer advice to the new royal bride, but admits she made errors. I think when I got married, I wanted to please everybody so much. I wanted to be the perfect person they wanted. I'm talking about the British people. And, and of course, you're going to fail because you're not being real to who you are. And right now, I've learned that just, just be kind, be good, smile but be honest. It was at St Andrews University back in 2001 that Catherine Elizabeth Middleton first caught the eye at the second in line to the throne. But her crush had begun much earlier. On the wall of her boarding school dormitory, a teenage Kate had pinned a poster of the boy prince who would one day become her husband. 
As students, their relationship was allowed to develop away from the prying eyes of the media. But once they graduated, the bubble of privacy buzzed. When William passed out from Sandhurst Military Academy in December 2006, there was more interest in his girlfriend than the soldier prince. And the presence of her parents at such a high-profile event set tongues wagging. With wedding bells sounding closer than ever, photographers followed Kate's every move. The intense scrutiny took its toll on William and Kate, and in April 2007, it was revealed the royal romance was over. But not for long. Second time round, Kate tried to stay out of the spotlight as much as possible. Now all that will change. But I just loved when he got together with, with Kate because she seemed, how shall I say, raised or groomed, groomed for the role. When all was said and done, she was a beautiful choice because she was classy and, and elegant and never put a foot out of step. And when they broke up, I remember when they broke up, it was it was heartbreaking to me because I just thought he's not going to let her go, is he? I mean, she's just seemed like such a perfect choice. And and we all saw what happened when his father let go of his love of his life, Camilla. I was listening to this podcast last night and I can't even remember the name of it, but Boris Johnson's sister is a journalist. She said that right now, Charles is in negotiations with Queen Elizabeth as to what Camilla's title will be. And he he's pushing for Queen Camilla. <laughs> yeah, she's pushing. <laughs> you know, I know we're getting off topic here, but, you know, everybody, everybody complained so much about Princess Diana. And the the paranoia that she had, you know, that this woman Camilla was coming between them and this third person in their marriage and everything. And I'll be damned, but Diana, Diana dies. And how many years later? And Charles is out officially with Camilla. And then he marries her, you know. So I remember on that wedding day going, Princess Diana was right all along and nobody wanted to listen to her. And of course, that would drive someone mad and crazy. I feel like William sees his his parents good and bad. Like, I think he has more of a measured view where I feel like Harry was younger and he's a little bit more wounded or a little bit more. I wonder if he's a little bit more traumatized or something. They certainly put out there that they've accepted the relationship. They they certainly know more the behind the scenes than we do. So they would have been briefed on the the reality of that relationship, which was Charles was very much in love with Camilla and had he been free to marry her, she would have been the one that he would have chosen, you know? So uh, given all that, I don't know if they give their father a pass in that sense, but you can't take away from the fact that Princess Diana was their mother and they had a very bad marriage. He treated her poorly. Uh, you know, I'm sure there were good times as well. I shouldn't say that there were good times as well, but, you know, just knowing that he continued his relationship with Camilla he couldn't quit her is he could not quit that woman, you know? <laughs> so I don't know at the time I would think these little boys would go, you, you, you're the reason why my parents split up. You are the reason why, you know, maybe my mother died, you know? Around 1986, again, according to the biography written by Jonathan Dimbleby about your husband, he says that your husband renewed his relationship with Mrs. Camilla Parker Bowles. Were you aware of that? Yes, I was. But I wasn't in a position to do anything about it. What evidence did you have that their relationship was continuing, even though you were married? A, a woman's instinct is a very good one. <laughs> is that all? Well, I had... I, obviously, I had knowledge of it. From staff? Well, from people who minded and cared about our marriage, yes. What effect did that have on you? Pretty devastating. Rampant bulimia, if you can have rampant bulimia, and just a feeling of being no good at anything and being useless and hopeless and failed in every direction. Wow. I mean, it was all just so heartbreaking at the time. You know, of course, we know more now. And so with hindsight, you, you just don't know if Charles would have just had the balls to say, listen, I'm in love with this woman. And even if it means giving up my place in the as heir to the throne, I want to marry her. But he went off to the military. And when he came back, 
she'd gotten married to uh, Thomas. She couldn't quit Parker Bowles, though. You know, he was the playboy and all that. I don't think she was as into Charles as what Charles was into her. But Charles was always more of the sensitive soul anyways. That's why him and his dad. And I think with Camilla, she was like the man's woman. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing (laughs) in the Scottish Highlands or whatever. He kind of gets him his spirit on that point where with Diana, I don't think he knew what to do with her. I And I, I almost think that William found someone like William and Kate, Catherine, he found someone that also lets him do his thing. They seem like such a complimentary couple because they each have their own desires and yet they work great as a team and a, and a parental team also. I mean, I don't think you could get much better than that. They're a very modern couple. You know, Diana was 18 or 19 when she came to the royal family. So she had no experience. I just don't think she was given a lot of enough slack. Leaving this life that she knew and coming into the royal fold and then just be expected to fall in line and to know what to do. And she was young. And so it's a good thing. I mean, Catherine certainly was, uh, she was already in her thirties, right? How old were they when they got married? Yeah, they had been, they started, they met in 2001, started dating 2003 in college, and he did not propose until 2010. So she was almost 30, but I think that the queen gave her more latitude to live as a married couple like they did in Malta, where I don't think Charles really had that opportunity. He was just the heir to the throne. So when William came along, it was like, okay, you guys can go be the helicopter pilot or, I mean, he couldn't even get leave for his honeymoon, which I love the fact that they didn't give him special due for that. You know, he had a week off and then they went to their honeymoon like a month later. But I think that they had that opportunity to establish their life as a married couple, just like she had when her husband was in the Navy in Malta. And I I think that's where they went right with them. And speaking of breaking with protocol and, and, and what's done and not done, is that William and Kate lived together at college, you know, and that would have just been not acceptable in uh, Diana's day or even before. Going back, going back to the stocks, I, I think people, as I say, will be very curious ab- about the totality of your relationship. When did you first set eyes on each other and what did you think? Well, it's a long time ago now, Tom. I'm trying to <laughs> rack my brain about it all. But uh, we were obviously, we met at university at St. Andrews and uh, we were friends for over a year first. Um, and it just sort of blossomed from then on. Um, we just spent more time with each other, had a, a good giggle, had lots of fun, and realised we shared the same interests and just, you know, had a really good time. She's got a really nice sense of humour, which kind of helps me because I've got a very dirty sense of humour. Uh, so it was good fun. We had, a, we had a really good laugh, and then things happened. And Kate, what did you think of William? I mean, he's clearly not quite the same as meeting your average, you know, <laughs> university student. Maybe it was, I don't know. But uh, w- w- what was your first impression? Well, I... Actually, I think when, when you said I actually went bright red when I met you and sort of scuttled off, feeling very shy about, about meeting you. But, um, and actually, William wasn't there for, for quite a bit of, of the time. Initially, he wasn't there for Freshers' Week. And, um, so it did take a bit of time for us to get to know each other. Um, but we did become you know, very close friends from, from quite early on. There's a story that goes the rounds that uh, you had a picture of him on your... Wall as a, well, as a there child. Wasn't just one. There was like 10, <laughs> yeah. 20. He wishes no. Um, no, I had the Levi's, Levi's guy on my wall. <laughs> not, not a picture of William. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was me and Levi's, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so you lived. You ended up sort of in the same flat. Was that, if you don't mind me asking, before you were going out or? We no. We we moved in together as friends, and then because we were living together, we lived with other a couple of others as well. Um, and it just sort of it sort of blossomed from there. Really, we just saw more of each other. You know, hung out a bit more and, and did stuff. So, um, yeah. You like my cooking? Well, your cooking was all right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got better. Does William ever cook, or indeed do anything useful around? <laughs> to find useful, Tom. <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah. No, he, he does actually. He did cook for me quite a bit at university, and it would always come with a bit of angst and a bit of anger if something had gone wrong, and I'd have to. Um, wander in and save save something that was g- going. When I was um, trying to impress Kate, um, I was trying to cook these amazing fancy dinners and all that would happen was I'd burn something, something would overspill, something would catch on fire and she'd be sitting in the background just trying to help and basically taking control of the whole situation. So I was quite glad she was there at the time. 
slightly awkward for the other flatmates, or okay? Uh, no, to be honest, they were they were happy with it. They were used to it, watching me sort of catching things far, and you know, they were uh, they they found it very amusing. But I mean, having the two of you going out in the flat, or did they just not bat an eyelid? Um, I think at first they were they were sort of a bit surprised that it was what happened, and uh, then they realised it was it was really nice and it was good fun, and and we got on really well. They were good friends of ours as well, and so we we had a good we had a good giggle with them as well. Do we know when the Queen first met Kate? When was that? How far into their relationship were they? Were were they? I think it was pretty while into it, from what I recall. And she definitely was not allowed to go to Christmas and all that, like Megan was allowed. Yes, they were even more accommodating with her than what than what Kate had. Now I suppose a lot of people are going to wonder the first meeting with the families again. Not necessarily your average meeting, Kate. What was your First impression of the family. Well, I was I was quite nervous about meeting uh, William's father, but um, but no, he's very very welcoming and you know very friendly. So yeah, I couldn't have it couldn't have gone easier really for me. But um, but and meeting the grandmother, the Queen, not again like your average meeting with the grandmother. Was that you know nervous about that too? Or? Well, I I first met her at um, Peter and Autumn's wedding. Um, and again, it was in amongst a lot of other guests, and um, she was very friendly. And no, it was, it was, yeah, it was fine. She's very welcoming. She knew yeah. it was, um, it was a, you know, it was a big day, and everything was going on. Peter and Autumn were there, and things. And she's, uh, she'd wanted to meet Kate and, uh, for a while, so it was very nice of her to come over and say hello, and we had a little chat, and it got on really well. And I mean, it's not easy. I mean, think about it. The the Middletons were not invited like Doria was. Fergie still was not invited after the divorce so she would get to see her kids and then they would all go troop up you know to christmas and she was left behind so i think they've even though from the outside they're like oh if they're this conservative institution but i think they have evolved in their own way to make certain adjustments for sensitivity with certain protocol with the with the younger generations yes they have to i mean they have no choice but to move into the 21st century if they want to uh, continue if they want to survive, you know, and that's what we want. Anglophiles certainly want to see the royal family uh, live on. So I think in order to do that, they do have to sort of evolve. But I'm also a traditionalist. Love all the things that Meghan Markle seem to buck in the system or the firm, as she likes to call them. I, I like certainly not, you know, the claims of, of racism and everything that's unacceptable. But just all the other traditions that, that they have. But they're they're so very difficult to learn unless you have some really skilled training. So that might be off-putting to someone. But there should be, like you said, there should be the princess diaries, you know, trainer, the person that gives you princess lessons when you get engaged to this family. They should take you aside. Lord, we've all been watching princess movies since we were like two. I can't imagine she skipped every one of those princess movies. You know how to cross your legs and you know how to wear pantyhose that you need to wear pantyhose for goodness sakes. I think that sometimes you have to learn an institution or learn customs and courtesies before you come in and try to change something or have very strong ideals. And maybe when you're a little older, you might be a little bit, have a little bit more ideas of of what you think but first you have to learn something to, in order to respect it and then you can evoke change but that's just my personal opinion it is well said and i think that's on point and and i think that you know again where i know we're on harry and megan but i just think in the that got swept away in the frenzy of the other stuff that megan has experienced with the racism and and the lack of support i think what got swept away was this woman married into the royal family she was already of you know a good age she wasn't 16 or 18 joining the family she was well into her 30s she should have known better is my i my take is she should have known better we've all knew what diana went through you don't have to be an anglophile to have followed it and i agree with you is that we've lost the fact that she sort of refused or it seems like i shouldn't say you know seems like she refused to acclimate to their ways, their traditions, their, like you said, you know, to honor those centuries old traditions, you know, by just wanting to go in there and go, okay, I'm American, I'm independent, and I'm just going to show you guys the way it should be done. And this is a brand and I'm going to sell it. Like it was a very American concept of the brand, the brand, the brand, and I'm going to trademark it and copyright it in the brand and the brand. And how are we going to focus on our brand? 
Well, again, you know, 18 months into the wedding and they're already, you know, abdicating. I call it an abdication. It was 18 months in. I don't think she gave it a lot of time, you know, to go, okay, wait a minute. Let's see what, what other approach can, because I certainly see them as a couple, they could have done a lot of good for the Royal family and their brand. Now they're doing photo ops at at California soup kitchens for the celebs. And I mean, they're doing some real change there when they could have been representing the Commonwealth. You know this, right? Liz? Harry, Harry is a chimpo, a chief impact officer. So, I mean, we can all aim high. <laughs> you know what I wanted to ask you, Marlies? Why do you think Kate got Princess Diana's ring? Did, was that always planned that William would get her ring? How, what brought that about? No. In fact, well, Diana left her jewelry to her sons. So they inherited all her jewelry and she did it for their future wives. But it was Harry. I mean, there was, I think Paul Burrell, her former butler wrote about this in his book is that it was actually Prince Harry that inherited the iconic ring that we all love the sapphire with the diamonds. I got about two fake ones myself. Um, So, which I always thought was odd that Harry inherited it and not the son whose wife is going to one day be queen. But when William got serious with Catherine and he was about to uh, propose to her, Harry gave the ring to him for Kate, which I thought was a very nice thing to do. So I always thought that it should belong to William to pass down to his, his wife. But do you think Megan's upset about that? She didn't get the ring. No, because you know what? I'm glad that she didn't get it. Because she got uh, whatever ring was given to her originally, Princess Diana's diamonds, she she reconfigured them to her, you know, her own modern liking. So, and I, again, I'm a traditionalist. So I like that Kate took the ring. It She didn't change it. You know, it looks the way it did on Diana. And I just love that. I love that it's handed down that way. That's part of tradition. That is part of royal tradi- tradition. If you get a piece of jewelry, you keep it in its entirety and you carry it through the generations and I'm sure it'll be passed on to Charlotte or George, you know, it's one of those things that you just don't dismantle it and make it your own. I mean, it'd be nice, but. Okay. People are obviously incredibly curious about you. So let's start with the obvious. William, where did you propose? When, how, and Kate, what did you say? Uh, It was about uh, three weeks ago on holiday in Kenya. Um, we had a little private time um, away together with some friends and I just decided that it was the right time really. Um, we've been talking about, about um, marriage for a while so it wasn't a massively big surprise but uh, I took her up somewhere nice in, uh, in Kenya and, uh, and proposed. It's very romantic. There's a true romantic in that. There is. <laughs> and you said yes, obviously. Of course, yes. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> And you knew you were going to do this from day one of the whole day, or you you I, waited till the end? I'd been planning it for a while, but uh, as every guy out there will know, it's uh, it takes a certain amount of motivation to get yourself going. So I was planning it, and then it just felt really right out in in Africa. It was beautiful at the time, and I just I had done a little bit of planning to obviously share my romantic side. Okay, you've been on holiday a while, so did you see this coming? Was he getting a bit no, nervous and jumpy? No, not at all. No, because. You know, we were out there with friends and things, so I really didn't expect it at all. I thought he might have sort of maybe thought about it, but no. It was a total shock when it came and very excited. <laughs> and you produced the ring? Yeah. There and then? I did, yeah. I'd been carrying it around with me in my rucksack for about three weeks before that. And uh, I literally would not let it go. Everywhere I went, I was keeping hold of it because I knew this thing, if it disappeared, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Um, and yeah, because I planned it, it sort of, it went fine as you know you'll hear a lot of horror stories about proposing and things going horribly wrong it went really really well and uh yeah i was really pleased that she said yes and it's a family ring it is a family ring yes it's my mother's engagement ring so i thought it was quite nice because um obviously she's not been around to share any of the um the fun and excitement of it all this, this was my way of keeping her sort of close to it all and i guess we better we better have a look at it what what kind of ring is it? Are you an expert on what's... I'm uh, not an expert on this one at all. I've been reliably informed it's a sapphire with some diamonds, but I'm sure everyone recognises it from uh, from previous times. So. And Kate, yeah, you're, probably, you're going to be an envy of many. I would well, have. I just hope I look after it. Yeah. She loses, it's, it's, very, it's very, very special. Okay, so when Meghan and Harry got married, they had like the whole honeymoon planned out and everything. And when William and Kate got married, that was kind of an afterthought. Do you think William was already preparing for his role? I mean, 
there was more weight on his shoulders since he's in direct line to the throne. Do you think everything they do has to be carefully planned and choreographed and duty comes first and service comes first? And then I would say that I think so, because, you know, I think he's known from a very young age because he is going to be king one day that his his choices and his steps in life have to be markedly different from his brother. But I love the way William and Kate have managed to still have some normal sense of life. They're, you know, as parents, they're very hands-on parents. They had opportunity to live away from royal life for a while when they weren't living uh, at Kensington. They, they, where, where, where was it? Um, yeah. Where did they live? Where they did they live? In- Anglia. They lived there in you go. East Anglia because he was stationed out there. Right. I mean, he even had a motorcycle that uh, Bugatti or whatever, and they would tool around the countryside and she was seen grocery shopping. And even now they do that kind of stuff. The press doesn't intrude. The children had swimming lessons and she bought, she bought the kids costumes, you know, off the rack and they have a normal life and it's very respected in the village where they live now. But she also will release the yearly photos of them. You know, they give, they give the press an occasional photo op and it's kind of like an understanding, like you, you give us that and a little glimpse into your life. And then we will step back and respect your space and your privacy. I love that she takes those photos. They're adorable. I do too. And we know how the press, the British press can be, you know, so I know that was Megan's big complaint. But, you know, you bring up a good point, which is look at how William and Kate are handling it. And certainly they are of even bigger interest because he's going, he's heir to the throne and uh, she's going to be queen one day. So certainly you would think that they would be hiding out in their trees and they would be stalked. Yet they're not. Yet they somehow manage to balance. Like you said, they give the press just enough. We don't see seedy pictures coming out of her sunbathing or or whatever, you know, in their backyard. They did the one, the France, they had the one where she was photo uh, topless, but they were not allowed to be in British press. And they had that lawsuit in France to have those pic to to have those pictures removed. But besides the rumors of him cheating, which I have a theory of where some of those rumors came from. I've read a few items of who released some of that gossip. They kind of have an understanding that they won't print things unless they, you know, are verifiable. They have a relationship. They know that when they're on the public tours. William will buy a round of drinks for the press. And, and they, he's actually says that he's friends with some, certain members of the press have an agreement because they know that without them, they would not, you know, in their support, they wouldn't have the institution and their, what they're representing and that it's a privilege to represent their country and the benefits that come along with that. They can't see that it's different. So you felt bullied on an international level. Look, I think the, I think the volume of what was coming in and the interest was greater because of social media, because of the fact that I was not just British, um, and that unfortunately, if members of his family say, "Well, this is what's happened to all of us," or if his, you know, if if they can compare what the experience that I went through was similar to what has been shared with us. Kate was called Weighty Katie, waiting to marry William. While I imagine that was really hard, and I do, I can't picture what that felt like. This is not the same. And if a member of his family will comfortably say, we've all had to deal with things that are rude. Rude and racist are not the same. Mm. And equally, you've also had a press team that goes on the record to defend you, especially when they know something's not true. And that didn't happen for us. You mentioned earlier, Harry, that you were hurt by the fact that there's been no acknowledgement on the part of your family that this was different because of race. Mm-hmm. Do you think there ever... Back to the wedding. Let me ask you, do you think William and Catherine's wedding had more personal and private friends than um, Meghan and Harry's, which had a ton of celebrities, but maybe not so many personal and private, like whose wedding had more, was more of a family affair. Well, we know looking at Harry and Meghan's wedding that the only, the only family she had was her mother. And it was so sad. 
that that was it. And you saw her mother, Doria, sitting there by herself. It, it, that seemed extremely sad to me that she didn't have other family. No, she had famous friends there, you know. William and Kate, though, they had 1,900 people at their wedding. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, William and Kate had people that they had met. I don't think there was anyone they didn't know. They had three lists, or released, quote, unquote, by the Queen or the palace. One was some of the people from the Commonwealth and so forth, but William did complain that they didn't know some of the people on the list. So there was some that were invited because of the Commonwealth, even some that were uh, representative in the Catholic Church, which was kind of a big deal because of Ireland and all that. They invited people like the manager of their their pub that they would go to. They invited their postman. They invited people that they knew. That's so sweet. It's like their personal list. Just recently, they were seen out on a date, and when they came in, they didn't call ahead, and the the pub manager was like, "Oh, we don't have a seat," and they're like, "That's fine. We'll just have a drink, a pint at the bar." And they just had a pint at the bar and then left. Like they're very, very down home people, and I, I think I wonder if that's kind of an attraction to William as well because he kind of has that family dynamic with her family, and with her that it just gives him a sense of he has this royal life, but then he has this personal, very like, not better homes and garden, but it's very simple at home. But the family that he never really got, you know, he never really had that close, close family in his teen years. That's what you hear about his relationship with the Middletons is that it just provided him that sense of family that he might not have gotten because his parents were divorced and, you know, very much in the spotlight because of being who they were. And so he got this little sense of home and fam, a family unit whenever he visited the the Middletons. So, and I like how much they're involved in their grandchildren's lives. Clearly, tremendously fond of each other's families. And I'm guessing that is a big, going to be, well, obviously, transparently, it's going to be a big part of your life going forward, both your lives. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, as you know, Kate's Kate's family, she's got a very, very close family. um, And I get on really well with them. And I'm very lucky that they've been so supportive. Uh, Mike and Carol have, have only been, you know, really sort of loving and caring and really fun um, and have been really welcoming towards me. So I felt really part of the family uh, and I hope Kate's felt the same with my family. What do you think about Fergie not being invited to their wedding, but yet they went, she went, she did get to go to Harry and Meghan's, but what do you think about her not, were you surprised she didn't go to William and Kate's? I think she was probably still a very polarizing figure at the time, a controversial figure. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, you know, I just, I, I mean, I haven't thought too much more about that other than I remember she, she was just, you know, a hot button topic, you know, and you wouldn't invite her to the wedding. That was when she was going to take money for an introduction. Is that right? Someone, it was right after that scandal broke. Oh my God. (laughs) Was she, was she giving her at that point? I can't remember. In the in the list of Fergie's famous moments, I can't remember where the wedding fell in between the toe sucking and the uh, <laughs> bribing somebody for access to her husband. Her, yeah, her and Andrew just a train crash. The interesting thing is, is I hear that they're still they they get on very well. And from what I had heard, I I thought it was said that once Philip, who didn't approve of her, passed away, that they would sort of announce that they they were living together and and have yeah well they still live together but that they would remarry i mean to be fair you do need someone to put money on your books in jail so it's good to get back with fervy so he can have some (laughs) (laughs) he'll get some conjugal visits at least out of it god that's a whole nother show (laughs) so what what do you think and i don't feel like this is true what do you think that there were rumors that Catherine plotted to meet him because so that she took a gap year and she was actually accepted to another university and then switched to St. Andrews? Yeah, she was at Edinburgh. They said she had a place at St. At Edinburgh University, University of Edinburgh, uh, which is a noted university in Scotland, and then switched to St. Andrews and yeah, took the gap year, changed her major to art history so that she, you know, her path would cross with William. Look, you know, I don't know if any of that's true, but (laughs) if it is, it worked. Uh, (laughs) And listen, if I had my choice of going to like some seedy university where there's a bunch of, you know, like skanky 
college boys, you know, <laughs> or going to a college where you might marry a prince, meet a prince. I think I would take the prince. I remember Done. my daughter was applying for colleges and I'm like, let's go look at St. Andrews. And I took her to St. Andrews University. I'm like, this is where William met Kate. <laughs> who knows what royal might be coming up that's around your age. <laughs> She's like, mom, I am not marrying a prince. <laughs> oh my God. What about a Danish prince. There are a couple really cute ones her age. Oh, oh, I don't know. Oh, no, right? I don't know. It's it's England or bust. It's, it's Britain or bust. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I don't know if any of that's true, but you know that they they said that there was one story I read where she supposedly had his picture up on her wall, or you know, like Megan certainly was aware of William and knew who he was and everything. William used to be quite the quite the catch back in the day. He was very handsome. As long as you didn't see him on the dance floor, you were doing good. <laughs> he was gorgeous. So if I was her mother, I'd be going, okay, where's William going? You're the same age. You're going to that school. <laughs> and the other thing is, is like what young girl doesn't fantasize about that? I mean, I remember oh, this is really dating myself, but um, <laughs> remember who was like uh, Leif Erickson, not Leif Erickson, Leif Garrison or Garrison. Remember uh, Leif? Yeah. So uh, uh, Sean Cassidy, all those. What little girl didn't look at the posters on her wall and go, ah, I'm going to marry him someday. And I thought, and this is dating me, that I was going to marry Donny Osmond. I absolutely was convinced of it. I was prepared to convert to Mormonism for him. Absolutely. <laughs> I once sent him a Valentine because Tiger Beat had a contest, make a Valentine to Donny Osmond, and you might get to go on a date with him. So I had my glue and glitter out, and I, my poster looked amazing. I did not get the date, though. She just actually had real access. It was attainable for her. So, I mean, why not? And I mean, Megan kind of did the same thing. She put her roots there. Pierce Morgan met up with him. I'm more impressed that she didn't cross an ocean. <laughs> like That's like really impressive. In 2007, she basically said, put up or shut up. He takes her away and says, I'm not ready for marriage, but stick it out. I'll be worth the wait. Like, what's your thoughts on the fact that he waited or or the perceptions of her that she had to quote unquote wait? People are bound to ask. You leave university, you've been going out a bit and you split up, famously, all over the papers. What was all that about? I mean, people are bound to want to know. Well, I think, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I wouldn't read everything. I wouldn't believe everything you read in the paper. But, uh, you know, in that particular instance, um, we did we did split up for a bit. But that was just, you know, we were both very young. It was at university and we were we were sort of both finding ourselves as such and being, you know, different characters and stuff. It was very much trying to find our own way and, uh, and we were growing up. And so it was just sort of, you know, a bit of space and a bit of things like that. And it soon worked out for the better. And I think I, I, at the time wasn't very happy about it, but actually it made me a stronger person. You find out things about yourself that maybe you hadn't realised or I think you can get quite consumed by a relationship when you're younger and, you know, I, I, really, I really valued that time for me as well, although I didn't think it at the time. Looking back on it, I... There's you know, a chance to recenter yourself. Yeah, definitely, you? yeah. This is not all bad. Go <laughs> <laughs> with that one. This is a life, you know, in the public domain to a degree that you can't escape. You, you both know that. You're obviously very, you know, you know it better than Kate does. You're obviously yeah. very protective of her. Massively so. Of course, you know, her and her family, I really want to make sure that they, they have the best um, sort of guidance and chance to see what life has been like or what life is like in the family. And that's kind of almost why... I have been waiting this long as I wanted to give her a chance to see and to back out if she needed to um, before it all got too much because, you know, it's, I'm trying to learn from lessons done in the past and I just wanted to give her the best chance to, to settle in and, and see what, you know, what happens the other side. And I'm, I'm also glad that I've, I've had the time to sort of to grow and understand myself more as well. So hopefully, Does that mean I've done hopefully well? good to a good job, yeah. Yeah, you know, again, going back to, you know, following that relationship and thinking that she just seemed like such a lovely girl and such a beautiful match and everything. So when they broke up, I was I remember I was heartbroken and scouring the rag mags, which I which I no longer do. But um, I just wanted to see that there there might be any chance that they'd make up. And so 
I was so happy to see that she was back in the picture. And then, and then the, the weighty Katie thing, you know, which I thought was cruel, but clearly they had an understanding once they got back together. I think they had an understanding. And so she really knew where she stood and that it was just a matter of time. I honestly think during that whole time, she was groomed because now she's almost a little bit of the glue that holds all this together besides Queen Elizabeth, obviously. But I think the whole weight was the queen knew that one day William would be king and he had to have the right queen. You know, I mean, you can't just haphazard. Oh, I, you know, I met a dancer. I met, you know, so-and-so. I really do think they kind of groomed her during that waiting period. It might be so because she stepped into the role seamlessly, you know, from day one, she was turned out. She was always elegantly dressed. She was classy. She just knew, it seemed like she knew what to do. There weren't a lot of missteps that I remember, you know? So yeah, she, she moved into the role quite easily. So who knows, maybe they did make her. I feel like though, she's naturally, though, not an alpha. I think she kind of knew, like, don't overshadow him like Diana did with Charles. She doesn't walk in front of him. She doesn't cut him off. I think she kind of is more of like, I mean, Prince Philip was a strong personality. He was the head of the household at home. He, where I think Catherine's the heart of the home. He was the head of the household. Prince Philip usually would be the icebreaker. He would make the room laugh. He was her MC, like, open, you know, open the show for the queen. He put the queen at, relaxed her. And I think Kate relaxes William. I think her natural shyness has also steadied him she he didn't she she just was kind of behind him but solid hey i have your back and i think that kind of steadies him in a different way than what philip did for the queen one thing that i kind of felt bad for was kate did work for the clothing store jigsaw she worked for party pieces her parents business and all that but there was rumors that the queen just didn't think that she was very like hardworking. People have put, you know, placed some criticisms of you, you know, about about your work and so on. Does does that hurt? How do you how do you respond to people who say those things? Well, I think I I know I've been working very hard for the family business. Um, sometimes those days are, are long days, and and you know I, I think if I know I'm working hard and I'm, you know, pulling my weight both work and and playing hard at the same time, you know I. I think, you know, everyone who I work with, I think, can see that I'm there pulling my weight and um, that's really what matters to me. Um, and, you know, your family, as you, you've said, you're very close. Does it hurt some of what's said or do you let it run, run off your, all your collective backs on the grounds that that's just what you have to live with? Well, again, I think if you... The people around home are very supportive to us and... You know, those are the people that really matter to us, our close friends and close family. And I think if sort of they feel that you're doing the right thing, you can only be sort of true to yourself and you sort of have to ignore a lot of what's said, obviously take it on board, but, um, you know, you have to be yourself, really, and that's how I've stuck by it, really. And I mean, granted, when they first got married, she didn't take on a lot of engagements or when she was pregnant and all that. I think that role has grown. So, but she didn't try to throw herself into the role the next day. I think she built up that confidence and that work ethic to get that confidence. It wasn't like, I'm going to go change the world the next day and go hard charging in. I think they felt like with Diana and Charles, they threw too much on them too soon. I mean, when you talk about the press, you know, looking at her as working class background, I mean, Princess Diana was considered a commoner which I find really funny. Um, but she was thought a commoner when she married Charles because she was not a peer of the realm, meaning she's not a duchess or countess, uh, but she was an earl's daughter. So she was certainly lady. So, uh, you know, it's not like she was the rabble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like the queen mother was considered like a common little Scottish girl. And because she, she was like a daughter of uh, what was her the queen mother she was the queen mom was also aristocracy Kate's family was not working class in the sense that we understand it here but and but they weren't landed gentry which they had no title so that's probably why they were considered 
working class, but they were self-made millionaires, you know? It's not like Charles went to Slough or Essex (laughs) to find a bride. (laughs) Slough or Essex, exactly. But imagine, you know, the mother was a stewardess. She was a flight attendant and the father was a pilot. You know, imagine that coupling and then your daughter's going to be Duchess of Cambridge and future Queen of Britain. I mean, that's that's quite a union. But, you know, they have they have aristocracy uh, in their family history somewhere. You'd have to look it up. Yeah, there's some aristocratic connections. And I don't know if you know, but Kate Middleton's grandfather was an RAF pilot who flew with Prince Philip on a mission. So there's a royal connection there. What are your thoughts about the relationship between the queen and, and Princess Kate? Because there, there's not, I mean, she's very close to Sophie and so forth. And is it because Kate is more shyer or is it because you would have thought that they, you would see her kind of taking her under the wing as being sometime, sometime in the future, she's going to be the consort, but you just don't see, I think. Right. And being close. No, actually, I think I think the opposite. Insiders actually say that Catherine and, and the Queen have a very special relationship. I mean, it, it's well known that Catherine has a direct line to the Queen, which she uses to check up on her, especially during COVID. Uh, she asks her advice. She goes to her for advice a lot, um, gives updates to the Queen on the grandkids. You know, and I love all those appearances that they've made together. And if you look at pictures of the appearances they've made together, they're always in, in good spirits and they look like they have a lot of fun together, you know, so uh, insiders say that they definitely have a special relationship. And apparently Kate gets to raid her jewelry box every now and then because she's always, she always has earrings on from the queen or borrowed the tiara from the queen. So I'd be nice to that mother and yeah. grandmother-in-law. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a special and good relationship. I just remember it being a really special day. I remember every network covering it i remember uh, what's his name nbc matt lauer like really loving that pippa middleton dress to an extraordinary amount <laughs> yeah. that's all i saw was that pippa Mid- middleton dress everybody talked about pippa's behind i thought Catherine's wedding gown was gorgeous, though. I mean, it was everything, you know, and of course, everyone was comparing this wedding to Charles and Diana's because it was the next big wedding that we'd experienced just, you know, grand level. But I thought that her dress was elegant and it was classy and understated. And it wasn't, you know, the overly done princess ball gown, which I loved about Princess Diana's. But I thought this was very Grace Kelly like, you know, I, I loved it. A star-studded crowd filled Westminster Abbey. Elton John, David and Victoria Beckham. Posh donned a navy dress from her own collection and a matching hat. London streets erupted with the sound of roaring applause as Princess Bride Kate passed by in a Rolls Royce with extra-large windows. A radiant Kate waved to the throngs from the back seat with her proud dad, Michael, by her side. She has been smiling and beaming every step of the way, and now the moment the world has been waiting for, Catherine Middleton arrives to meet her prince. Kate emerged looking princess perfect. She graciously said hello to the crowd as her sister Pippa, the maid of honor, smoothed out her gorgeous gown. Kate strolled down the aisle, tenderly holding onto her father's hand. Pippa followed with a troop of adorable bridesmaids and ring bearers. You can see Prince Harry look back at Kate, smile, and say to his brother, wait till you see her. Can I, can I say something that is one of the most feminist things that Kate Middleton ever did was not through word, because it's very easy to say the words and the jargon, but through deed is to appear after the birth of her children, still with her baby belly. For, for women everywhere was to appear on those steps. Not, you know, she didn't look like a Victoria's Secrets model. She still had the baby belly. She did have the baby. She looked beautiful. I remember looking at her going, oh my God, she looks gorgeous. She did. And she glowed and she literally had the baby like 12 hours earlier. It wasn't even like two days later. <laughs> it's like she went in for a vaccination and came out with the baby. You know, I, I, I have to tell a story. I stayed at the Goring Hotel, which you, you probably know is the hotel that she stayed at the night before she married William. 
Uh, and the Goring is, it's near Buckingham Palace, actually, but it's a, a, a cute little family-owned, I think it's like the last family-owned hotel in Britain. And it has the royal crest on, on its entrance. But anyway, so of course, I was fascinated by it because that's where she stayed. And so I asked someone that was working there if they could just give me some any kind of little stories or tidbits or whatever. So they took me to the room where her dress was kept. And I saw the table where it was actually laid out where people did final touches, final, you know, sewing of the pearls or whatever. They said it was just the most beautiful thing. They said she, this one woman was telling me to come to work and she saw the door crack just a little and could just see the gown laid out there. And and they said it was a really special, unique time for the Goring. And that's why I stayed there, of course, because that's where Kate spent the night before her wedding. And it's just beautiful. <laughs> what a great story. I, ho- I hope they have another 50 years together. Same here. I wish them all imaginable happiness. Cheers to William and Kate for another 50 years. Uh, cheers. cheers. Congratulations on your 10th anniversary. Ciao, darling. Still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. I will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. me again and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at miss intrigue pod follow us on pinterest and flipboard where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty chronicles of interesting events in history and of course true crime lastly check out our youtube channel because everyone has one right That features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out MissDeedsAndIntriguePodcast.com. But we don't have a complaints department, just to give you a little heads up. The podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie, Misdeeds, or Intrigue Podcast, or Larissa have been, am now, or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and Intrigue Podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites, and or from YouTube, or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only. We're going to turn now to our GMA cover story, the most famous newborn in the world right now, the royal baby making his big debut. So Amy is back with more on the newest Adorable little prince. That's right. The baby boy, whose name has not yet been revealed, is back at the palace this morning to bond with the rest of the royal family after making his first public appearance just hours after being born. The eight-pound, seven-ounce prince making his big debut just about seven hours after his birth, appearing to already give his first royal wave to the world. Kate delivering the fifth heir to the throne at 11.01 Monday morning. 
Prince William seen leaving the hospital, then returning shortly after with four-year-old George, who was still in his school uniform, and two-year-old Charlotte, who waved to photographers the moment she got out of the car. The little princess even sneaking one last wave before entering the hospital. She seemed very comfortable in the spotlight. Uh, she's certainly someone who seems to have taken to her royal role at a very early age. Charlotte making history with the birth of her new baby brother, the first princess who will not be overtaken in the line of succession to the throne by a younger brother. Kate making headlines for leaving the hospital so soon after birth and in heels. She is the envy of women around the world that she's able to do that. I think it's testimony to the fact that she has a really good medical team who are obviously looking after her well, making sure that the birth goes very well. The newest royal baby wrapped in a white shawl by G.H. Hurden's son. Just like his father, Prince William, and his siblings, Prince George and Princess Charlotte, when they were photographed on those very same steps of St. Mary's Hospital as newborns. The Duchess wearing a red Jenny Packham dress with a white embroidered collar. An apparent nod to Princess Diana, who left the hospital in a similar red frock after giving birth to her second son, Prince Harry. Kate also paid homage to her late mother-in-law back in 2013 after Prince George's birth, wearing a blue polka dot dress just like Diana three decades earlier. It's, it's a lovely gesture. It's lovely of her to choose to do something to make people think again of Princess Diana on such a happy day. As the couple left the hospital for Kensington Palace with their new baby in tow, Prince William joked to reporters about the anxiety of now being a father of three. So, the big question, when will the baby's name be revealed? It took the royal couple two days after George and Charlotte's births to announce their names. And this just in, the baby's aunt, Pippa Middleton, was just seen arriving at Kensington Palace to meet her new nephew. And the baby's grandfather, Prince Charles, has just released a statement saying, we are so pleased at the news. It is a great joy to have another grandchild. The only trouble is I don't know how I am going to keep up with them. Robin? All right, Amy, we're so very happy for all of them. All right, Jen, let's talk a little bit yep. more here about this because a lot of people, some people are like, oh my gosh, you know, seven hours? Right. You've delivered 1,500 babies yes, in county. Uh, how unusual is that? Well, listen, if I were going home to a palace, I'd want to get out of the hospital also. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we have right. to distinguish here between the future queen of England and the average please, woman. Please. It can be safe. The key is support and follow-up.